Okay, so we're going to make this fun. So a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Hey, Lord, your, your dear friend is sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was at for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But the disciples objected, Rabbi, only a few days ago, those people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? And Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of the world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there, for now you will really believe. Come, let's go to him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his disciples, let's go too, and we will die with Jesus. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for not one, not two, not three, but four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Mary and Martha in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises on that last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world for God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mortars and told her, the teacher is here and he wants to see you. Mary immediately went to him. And Jesus stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. And when the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus's grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet. Again, you hear it again. Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby, see how much he loved him? But some said, the man healed the blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, said, 
Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I say it out loud for the sake of these people standing here so they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave cloth, his face wrapped in headcloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Many of the people who were there with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw what happened. This is the word of the Lord. Wow. They let all that sink in, huh? That was a lot. Anybody that was sleeping, nod, nod them a little bit, wake them up. Um, you know, when um, I started looking at this passage of Scripture about a month ago, thinking about it and thinking about it, what it meant to me individually, how I could find myself in the story, how I find our community of believers in the story and the church as a whole. I had to start breaking it down, you know, and, and here's what I know. So we've got the characters, Mary and Martha, who, if you've read the Gospels, we're introduced to Mary and Martha really in Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. And, and, and let me introduce you to Martha because I'm a lot like her. So this is where I find myself in the story. There's not a lot of girls that are talked about, so I got to find my, I identify where I can. So Mary and Martha in Luke's gospel of chapter 10, so Jesus and his disciples are walking down the road, and Martha sees them and says, hey, and again, this is my version, not the, you know, scripted version. Hey, come on in, Jesus, come on in. I'm going to invite you in for lunch, you and the guys, come on in. So they all get in there, and she commences to cook in, and I think at some point she probably realizes, I didn't know there was this many of them, and I don't know if I got enough food, and my sister, instead of helping me, which we're, you know, we're never told she asked Mary, has plopped herself down at Jesus' feet and is just listening. So Martha's got a resentment, you know, and... I remember on Sundays when my mom would get mad when she would cook and my dad had invited people over from church over afterwards that she didn't know were coming. You'd hear a lot of slamming of dishes and, you know, the oven door a couple, wham, you know, and that was his cue. He would do the, excuse me, I'll be right back, you know. And then you would hear them whisper, I didn't know you were going to bring all them people over. Well, I didn't know we didn't have enough food, you know, and there was always enough, but it was, and I could see Martha doing the same thing, and she said, you know, Jesus said, Martha, why are you upset? This is how we're introduced to these girls, right? And, you know, and I'm sure Martha couldn't go slamming anything because everything was made out of clay or God knows what they were eating off of, but that's how we're introduced to these girls, and then we get to this story in John, and John tells us there's Mary and Martha, and we're reminded you know, in verse 2, I think it is, that later on in John chapter 12, we're going to hear how they're having supper again, and Mary breaks the bottle of perfume and pours it all over Jesus' feet, and Judas accuses her of wasting the perfume. So we're pretty familiar with these ladies. The thing that I love about the story, and the reason I titled today's sermon, Finding Peace in the Waiting, is, uh, if you notice, Lazarus is sick in verse 3. 
Jesus doesn't show up until verse 17. And it's like, and he even says, don't worry, it's just a two-day journey, no big deal. Um, now, these ladies had a lot of stock in Jesus. You know, they must have thought, all we got to do is get somebody to Jesus. Jesus just needs to come back here, and our brother will be okay. Again, finding peace in the waiting. I don't know about you, um, but also when I was thinking about waiting, um, it's hard to believe three years ago that we were all not even in churches, none of us. I mean, we kind of talked about that in Bible study this morning about the country was locked down. You know, COVID had produced so many fears. I can only tell you about me and what my family was going. So in 2019, everything was, you know, oh, I had angel wings on, man. Jesus had just called me. I was like, yes, I'm on seminary. My kid was doing great in high school. He was doing... My parents' health was decent. My dad had Lewy body dementia, but, you know, my mom was caring for him. We were out there every weekend. Life was grand, no problems. And then January 30th happened, and my mom didn't wake up in 2020. Um, okay, okay. We had her funeral. A week later, my dad, with Lewy body, moved into my house. And six weeks later... My, I got a phone call that, you know, from the school or the letter from the school that said, we're not having the kids in school anymore. And then the president came on the TV with the announcement that everything was going to be shut down. That was the longest days of my life. Longest days. And at that time, I know now, I was looking for a miracle. I was looking for an experience instead of seeking a relationship with my creator. In fact, I was pretty upset at God. Uh, yeah, there was a major, like if there was a phone line from heaven to Robin's heart, it got caught. I, and I was the one that did the hanging up on. You know, how dare you? How dare you? I'm doing everything you asked me to do, and my mom died, my dad's sick, my, my, my teenage son now has been excommunicated, from all his classmates, you know, to watch your, your, the young people go through what we were going through. Mary and Martha, it's easy for me to look at the story and go, come on, girls, you know Jesus is going to come in and save the day. But you know, when I'm standing in my own set of circumstances and life situations, I don't do so good. It's easy for me to look judgmentally at this story and offer advice or hey, girls, you should have waited on God. You should have trusted in it. But when it's my own tornado happening, that doesn't happen. Today's reading also had um, Psalm 130, and obviously because of the passage of Scripture being 45 verses, um, I didn't read the psalm or ask Pastor Sarah to please or Pastor Garrett to read the psalm. But I think it's important that a couple of the verses from Psalm uh, 130, which which part of the lectionary reading, be called out to because I think it talks to what we're doing when we're waiting or what I failed to do. I can only tell you about what I've done. Um, 
David says, out of the depths I cried to you, O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my voice of supplication. I waited for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope my soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for morning, more than those that watch for morning. You know, when I read this story, and you see the two times when both the ladies approach Jesus, they both say, if you would have been here, nothing would have happened. If you would have been here, this would not have happened. Have you ever stopped hoping? Have you ever had situations in your life, people get sick, people die, relationships end? Have you ever stopped hoping? Have you ever felt that God was absent and you stop praying or you stop believing. This is where I want to be like where Mary and Martha were, though. Because they did something. See, Jesus had yet to die and rise again, like we believe that will happen in a couple weeks. <clears throat> they stood there believing. They knew. You know, and I, I always wondered why Jesus didn't do what he did with that centurion you know, where Jesus just stood there because that centurion servant was sick and he said, um, because of the way you believed it, it'll happen. You know, because the centurion said, you don't even have to come into my house. Just say it and it'll happen. Just say it and it'll happen. What have you hoped for in areas of your life? Do you have hope for a family member? Hope for yourself, hope for your community, hope for your church. I heard hope this morning when we were talking in Bible study, having some good conversations. If you're hoping, I'm asking you right now to consider acting and believing like Martha and Mary and trust. Trust that in spite of your circumstances, God is there with you. In spite of what is going on in our cities, in our communities, and in our hearts, God is still there in control of the universe in spite of what we see in the natural. Um, in a few moments, we're going to be singing that song I was telling you about, Is Well in My Soul. It's by a guy named Horatio Spafford. And back in the 17 or 1800s, he was a successful attorney and a real estate broker. He lost everything he owned in the big fire in Chicago in 1871. And to ease, and his four-year-old son had actually died that year too. Talk about pain. Yet he was left with his wife and four daughters, and he thought, you know, maybe a holiday vacation would do us well. So he put his wife and his four daughters on a boat and told them, you go across, they were going to go back to England, you go across and I will join you later. I will join you after I finish a few of the dealings here at home. And his wife and his daughters were making it across the ocean. They had an accident and ran into another ship. And he lost all four of his daughters, only his wife survived. Immediately, Horatio set sail, and while en route, the captain, knowing what had happened to his family, beckoned him to come up on board of the ship and told Horatio where we're at right now. This is about 
where your, your wife and your daughters were lost. It is there that he penned the song that we're going to sing. And I can't even, I don't know what you guys have lost or what you're going through, but I can't imagine losing all that he had. It reminds me of Job, losing everything he had and then to stand on the ship and look out and say, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. When you're not feeling God's hand, look for God's heart. How do you do that? I know today, I'm constantly reminded, I know today I need to get into God's word. I need to call a friend that has God's heart and mind, and I need to be guided back to God's truths. I'm going to ask you to pray with me right now, and I'd love to take credit for this prayer, but it comes from a couple of ladies that write a book called Good Enough. And the prayer is titled, When God Seems Absent. So if you would, just open up your heart and minds and allow these words to bring you comfort if you're struggling and allow them to bring you peace. Pray with me. Oh God, comfortable we would be if you gave us formulas and answered prayers and realized hopes, but you call us beyond our comfort. God, life upends us. We face divorce or miscarriages, financial struggles or job insecurity. And the people we love are tossed about by disease and loneliness or homelessness or addiction. We're afraid. We don't have adequate answers. And sometimes we just can't find you. Or we can't find the person we hope you would be. May we learn to trust that you aren't asleep on the job. You haven't forgotten us, that you're as near to us as our very breath. Give us the courage to press on, to suffer with hope that you have overcome the world. May again and again we be awed by your presence, that even when we feel like it, we've hit rock bottom, may we recognize we have fallen into your arms because there is no place so deep or so dark or so scary that your presence cannot find us. In the name of the one who can still the seas with mere words, let the church say amen.